0: to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Morris Arduin, co-host of the podcast Queer Voices of the South. Today, I'm talking with Mary Gaucher about her book, Saved by a Song, The Art and Healing Power of Songwriting, released just A couple of months ago in July by St. Martin's Publishing. Welcome to the podcast, Mary. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure and it's an honor to have you on. Um, I'm going to read for the audience a little blurb about you, what your book says anyway, and you can tell us more. Um, The Associated Press named Mary Gaucher one of the best songwriters of her generation. Her album, Rifles and Rosary Beads, was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Folk Album and Record of the Year by the Americana Music Association. Her songs have been recorded by dozens of artists, including Boy George, Blake Shelton, Tim McGraw, Betty LeVette, Kathy Matea, Amy Helm, and Candy Stanton. Saved by a Song is her first book. She lives in Nashville. Here's a little bit about the book itself. From the Grammy-nominated folk singer and songwriter, an inspiring exploration of creativity and the redemptive power of song. Mary Gaucher was 12 years old when she was given her Aunt Jenny's old guitar, and taught herself to play with the Mel Bay basic guitar workbook. Music offered her a window to a world where others felt the way she did. Songs became lifelines to her, and she longed to write her own one day. Then for a decade while struggling with addiction, Goshi put her dream away, and her call to songwriting faded. It wasn't until she got sober and went to an open mic With a friend, did she realize that she not only still wanted to write songs, she needed to. Today, Gaucher is a decorated musical artist with numerous awards and recognition for her songwriting, including a Grammy nomination. In Saved by a Song, Mary Gaucher pulls the curtain back on the artistry of songwriting. Part memoir, part philosophy of art, part nuts and bolts of songwriting, her book celebrates the redemptive power of song to inspire and bring seemingly different kinds of people together. And that is absolutely true. Um, I can say every word of that. Um, That blurb is perfect. Um, I want to start with the fact that you're writing a book. You've written a book. This is not your medium. um, And you've done it brilliantly. It's like you've always written books. Tell me about the the book writing process and why you wanted to write this book.
2: Well, thanks for asking. Um, Yeah, I'm a songwriter uh, by profession, but I've always been a huge consumer of books I have literally thousands of books in my house I've read and read and read since I was a a little kid Uh, I grew up in Baton Rouge and um, you know the the highlight of my week when I was a little person was when the bookmobile came and I got to pick my six books so I'm a I'm a lover of books and libraries and reading Um, but when it came time for me to write the book um, I, to be honest, I had no idea how to. I had to learn how to do it, and uh, it took me quite a while. Uh, uh, the book uh, uh, was a six-year process for me trying to to get it uh, to come together. Um, and, and I think the reason it took so long is because it's a mashup. It's a book that contains stories, my story, so it's part memoir. It also contains my approach to songwriting. I've been teaching songwriters now uh, for quite a while, uh, maybe going on 15 years or more. And uh, uh, I've been a songwriter for 30 years or so. Uh, so it, it it goes into how music and song work for me and, and, and how I think they work in general. Uh, and it also connects that with my story, uh, which is memoir. And then the bigger idea behind it is why have art? Why do art? What is the purpose of art? And so those are the three things that I, I try to accomplish here. And it's a mashup of a book. It, it would be hard to find the right shelf to put it on, you know? Yeah, It's a how-to, but it's also why, why do it? It's why, and it's how, and it's also um, memoir. And the memoir is important because I think the reason I write songs uh, is in the title of the book is because I see it as a form of salvation, that music and songs really have been purpose for me and have helped save me uh, in my darkest moments. I turn to music and song, my own and other people's, uh, and it helps me through to the other side of what I'm going
1: through. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I loved reading the book as the on a pure book level, a reader as a reader, the memoir itself piece. But I get exactly what you're saying. This is so much more than that. The, um, and I, 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 um, I, I love the fact that you stopped me as a reader and made me want to go listen to those songs. Um, you introduced me to a whole new piece of music a world of music. Um, I, had, I, I There are a lot of your heroes and my heroes in the music world. I love Amy Lou Harris. Um, I, 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 a wonderful Nancy Griffith, who just passed away. Um, it this it, I, I, I know I've heard your music for years and didn't know it was you behind it. And then, um, and so they're writing all those songs for those people as, and, and as well as yourself. So this has been, uh, for me, a, a very, very satisfying multi-pronged, uh, approach, not just the books. So I absolutely agree. This is a lot more than just a book and readers are going to get a treat, um, for that reason. I, I would love for you to talk about, um, the crux of the book, the, the songwriting process, how that, how that works. Um, and, and you just said it. It, it helps you, It helped you through uh, times that are tough. Um, the process is all over the place. It doesn't have one formula. I know that, and you say that very well. But um, there is something to how it works. Um, tell us a bit about songwriting and, and, and what you struggle with and what, when things come easy and when, and when things uh, uh, take a while. Because you had a few places in the book where you say that something, you just had to put it aside and wait until it came out on its own. Tell us about that process. You, you there's, there's a piece that I would love for you to read, and that's um, uh, regarding um, the, the former in the hat, and I'm, and we'll get to that. But let's talk about the general process first.
2: Yeah, well, I think that there is no right way. Um, every person who writes songs um, um, is going to have to find their way. Um And the goal uh, is to connect emotionally with listeners. And however you get there, if you connect emotionally with your listeners, you're succeeding. Um, And so um, for me, I try to describe my way. Um, I don't think there's a right way and a wrong way, um, other than if you don't connect, something's not working. Uh, and if you do connect, something is working and then try to figure out what that is, is the, is the challenge, uh, when you're going to try to teach what you do. So for me, uh, every song is a journey and I have to go on a path. I don't know where I'm going. Uh, I don't start with knowing where I'm headed. When I start a song, I start with not knowing where I'm headed. Um, There's something pulling on me, tugging on me, and I try to figure it out uh, by writing a song about it. And so it's really mysterious and hard to talk about. And uh, uh, so many songwriters just say, look, it's it's a mystery. I I don't know where songs come from. And honestly, I'm one of those. Uh, But I also do think that there are some things that can be discussed which is why I wrote the book I tried to go as deep as I could with what can be discussed about the songwriting process um and I think uh for me it starts uh with a question not an answer I sit down with a question and I try to use the song that I'm working on uh to help answer it uh so um Uh, I I don't have a a method, really. Um, What I have is a hunch or a feeling, a question. A lot of times what I have is is something that hurts or something that I'm struggling with. Uh, Sometimes, most recently, I have something that's bringing um, uh, a good feeling, joy, love, and I want to share that with people. Uh, something beautiful has happened and I want to express, re-express it in a song. So I think songs and emotion are married. Songs are what feelings sound like. And what a song does when it succeeds is get the listener to feel the way the songwriter feels when they write the song. The, the experience is one, I think, of empathy uh, that we connect uh, with people. Uh, with the character in the song uh, so deeply that we become the character in the song. There's something that transcends the self in a song that works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the, um, the whole process of, uh, of being a writer, a songwriter, uh, you, you're a poet. You're, you're, you say at the end of the book, you're, you're a troubadour. And that's so fitting because you have to be a person who, who uh, understands the language and hear, hear, Snippets from things, inspiration. You might look at something and get think three words together that suddenly starts uh, bringing a a song uh, in your head or at least lyrics, and then um, it goes. that it can go in all directions, like you said. Yet there isn't a set uh, way to do it. But you have a gift. You have many gifts, obviously, uh, Mary. And um, I'm not just saying that. That talent for, for for you have an ear. You have the ear of a troubadour. You you have to hear things as well as being able to say them. So, um, that comes across when you read those lyrics, which are wonderfully provided in the book to so many of the songs that you talk about the process, um, that it's, wow, that she got an inspiration from that one comment that this guy made to her or, you know, and it just, it just, it, it, it it doesn't flow. Um, it doesn't come out all gushing out at once. It's a lot of work to a song, but you start with something because you have, uh, you have this, this gift for, for hearing, um. I would like for you to read, if you don't mind, for us um, a little bit about that process on songwriting. Be happy to. Um,
2: I'm going to read a story that I call uh, Farmer in the Hat. Um, and this goes back to my very early days uh, as a as a performer and a songwriter. I was in the restaurant business, um, and I trained to be a chef uh, in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, and opened a Cajun restaurant. I'm from, born in New Orleans, raised in Baton Rouge. I opened a Cajun restaurant in Boston uh, and uh, did that for 10 years. Uh, And then I really just fell so deeply in love with music and songwriting that uh, I started the process of getting out of the restaurant business. And I moved to Nashville in 2001. So this section i'm going to read goes back to the very early days um when i was just getting started uh as a songwriter um and so uh it says i'm about a year into playing the weekly open mic which uh the open mic is uh, a place where anybody who has a song can play their song you just pay five dollars sign up and wait your turn and you get to play um and so i did that uh for, for, for years and years, uh, getting uh, an education on how to be in front of an audience. So I was about a year in, and that's where this passage takes place. So I was just getting started. And uh, most of my days were in the restaurant making gumbo and jambalaya for people. But uh, about a year into playing the weekly open mic at Club Passim uh, in Harvard Square in Cambridge, my friend Steve and I went to the Old Vienna Coffeehouse open mic in Westboro, Massachusetts. Steve said the Old Vienna's open mic was bigger and more high-profile than Club Passim. It was the place to rub shoulders with the New England songwriting community. When we arrived, the room was packed. Amateurs signed up alongside up-and-comers, several who had record deals and songs on the radio. To me, these artists were superstars. I'd never met anyone who had a song on the radio. I was in awe. But by midnight, I grew restless and uncomfortable in my straight-backed wooden chair. I was considering telling Steve I wanted to call it a night when the MC introduced the next performer. The man took the stage in dirty overalls that clung tightly to his massive belly. He wore muddy work boots and a tattered straw hat round-faced with puffy crimson cheeks. His large shoulders and huge head made the straw hat on his straw hat look tiny. His massive belly had the same effect on his guitar. He looked like a farmer, fresh from the field. People in the back of the room held back a groan. Robert helped him put his guitar plug his guitar in. The guy immediately began strumming, hitting the strings without finesse. Eyes to the floor, hands visibly shaking, offering no introduction. He looked terrified. His face grew redder as he started to sing. He began to sweat. The poor soul never even looked up. In the cafe, legs were crossing and recrossing, papers were shuffling. It was late. No one wanted to sit through this. The farmer sang through a verse, then hit his first chorus I got holes I can't fill, I got bills I can't pay. I'm going to walk in the water till my hat floats away. I looked at Steve. Steve looked at me. This guy was not kidding. This wasn't an act. I quit thinking about the time, my uncomfortable chair. Everyone in the room was looking up at him, mesmerized. His voice was pitchy, and he could barely play his guitar, but it didn't matter. We believed him. I went from thinking we had nothing in common to taking him In his song, with respect, even reverence, he sang the final chorus, got holes I can't fill, bills I can't pay. I'm going to walk in the water till my hat floats away. As the last note of the song rang out, there was a long silence. No one moved, we just stared at him. Then a smattering of applause from the front as a woman stood clapping with tears in her eyes. Somebody in the back stood up too. The applause grew louder, and soon the whole room stood. Steve leaned over and said, that was freaking amazing. I desperately wanted to do what the farmer had done. I was traveling a road I wasn't sure of, worried I was too old to be starting this songwriting thing, unsure of my quirky voice and my shaky guitar playing. But maybe age, looks, and mastery of my instrument didn't matter as much as I thought they did. The farmer was living proof what comes from the heart goes to the heart. His simple song spoke to the innermost part of all of us and we loved him in 10 years of playing open mics his was the only standing ovation i ever witnessed a novice had delivered a song that raised goosebumps on my arms how did he do it Luinda, lucinda williams said it in a newspaper interview i met a young man who came to me for advice on how to be a good songwriter i told him don't be afraid to dig into the deepest parts of yourself and face your demons He gave me the saddest look and said, I don't think I can do that. He was afraid to do that. I felt bad for him. It never occurred to me somebody would be too afraid to do that. I was starting to understand. When a songwriter writes what they care about, what truly matters to them, then boils down each line to its essence, the song becomes a snapshot of their soul. These snapshots are infectious. They go out into the world and become part of the experience of other living souls. The Farmer in the Hat story connected us to him, made us know we were not alone. I'd listened to, leaned on, and loved songs written by Lucinda Williams, Willie Nelson, Bruce Springsteen, Johnny Cash, Woody Guthrie, John Prine, Patti Smith, beloved faces carved in granite on my personal songwriter's Mount Rushmore. I felt their presence every time I sat down to write. My heroes were iconic, larger than life. I could not imagine myself as that. The farmer inspired me in a new way. He made it seem possible for me to do what he'd done. Watching him win over the audience with a simple but powerful song gave me permission to sing about what truly mattered to me. I was still trying to figure out my voice. Miles Davis Davis said, Man, Sometimes it takes you a long time to sound like yourself. That's what I was struggling with, sounding like myself. I didn't yet know what that meant, but the instructions the farmer left me with were, mean every word, sing it simple, sing it plain, sing it clear, sing it true.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off.
1: Um, that is so powerful, Mary. It's not the only passage that's as powerful as that. You have every single passage. But that is so, it, it, I, I was in that room with you when, when, when you're describing this man. So um, you brought us there uh, and, and it, it's, it was so moving. I had tears in my eyes when I was reading it. I like your friend and I wasn't even there. So uh, beautiful job. Thank you for reading that for us. Um, I yeah, just the you're audience welcome. To know, that audience needs to know this book is full of that. This is one of the nicest things about this book. It's that it you. It's going to stop you. It's going to make you think, and it's going to continue doing that for the, from the first word to the last. Um, I want to go in. We, I have to watch our time, and we have I have a couple more questions. I want to talk about this big, big topic of trauma and try to. I, I know it's a big topic, but um, you say something that woke me up about trauma because I, you know, I, I wrote my own book and it was about, uh, uh, domestic violence. Um, it wasn't just about that, but that was a piece of it. That's what drove me to write the book. Um, but you said something that opened my eyes and that is that, um, uh, trauma comes from all kinds of places. It's not just one source. Um, and I, let me read something. I, I wrote this, I copied this down. Uh, parental neglect and abandonment, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, assault, domestic violence, bullying, police brutality, natural or man-made dis- disasters, medical trauma. The list of shockwaves is long and troubling. And and I, I, you, you you touched me because I, I had not seen it that way, and I don't study uh, trauma. Um, I'm not a specialist in that world. So I, I, I love the way you put it. Um, let's talk about that for a bit. You found your trauma um i think you you're indicating that your trauma as a, as a human being is the way you were um you you came into the world uh you were born um in a place we'll talk about that next uh, i think uh in, uh in new orleans and your mother is someone you didn't get to meet um let's talk about the trauma that that caused you um or how how and and what you've done with it
2: yeah thanks for asking um yeah, I was born to an unmarried uh, woman in 1962, and uh, she, she had me at St. Vincent de Paul's uh, Women and Infants Asylum in New Orleans, which uh, was uh, a Catholic institution uh, that uh, uh, helped uh, women to, to, um, to, to bring their kid into the world and then get that kid adopted. Um, back then it was unacceptable for unmarried women to have uh, a a baby it's it's just unimaginable today but back then there was a source of tremendous shame to get pregnant and not have a husband Uh, and uh, um, so I was put up for adoption uh, uh, and uh, I was uh, almost a year old I was almost 11 months old when I was adopted so for 11 months, I was in the orphanage, um, and did not have a mother. And, um, uh, that, uh, deeply, uh, affected me. And I had no idea. I don't remember a thing about it. Um, but I was damaged and wounded. Uh, and it really shaped me, uh, being in an orphanage, uh, for that long, um, uh, set me on a, on a path. Uh, and I didn't know I was on a path that was shaped by that. I had no idea what w- was wrong with me. Um, and so I had to figure out what the problem was. Uh, and I didn't know how to do that and thank God for songs and music. Cause that's how I figured it out that, that, uh, uh, by writing about it and and writing about the problems I was encountering um, it led me back to Saint Vincent's uh, so that I could could start to retrace what happened to me and understand that um that in many many ways I was traumatized at birth uh, and uh, uh, that uh, uh, it, it it came as a shock to me, um, and yet it makes perfect sense. Right. Um, but nobody kno- knew that. Um, certainly my adoptive parents didn't know that. I don't think the nuns at the orphanage knew that. Um, I think that uh, that it was something that was unspoken and unknown. Um, but That's I can it. tell you right now, absolutely when a baby doesn't have a mama for a year there there's deep deep trauma there and when i started figuring it out i asked my adoptive mom what i was like when she got me and she said i was nearly catatonic that wow. i didn't i was unresponsive i didn't look left i didn't look right i didn't uh, laugh i didn't cry i i had i was full i was a baby full of despair And that was what I saw in the eyes of the pictures of those kids. When I went back to St. Vincent's and looked at at the pictures on the wall, that's what I saw in the eyes of all those children. And I described that in in a chapter in the book. And I looked like that too. And that's what was wrong with me. And once I identified it, then I started to be able to work through it. When you don't know you have trauma, how do you deal with having trauma?
1: Yeah. Yeah you find yourself acting out in all kinds of ways. Um, oh, yeah. your, your behavior uh, is saying something and there's a root. It just doesn't happen organically when you act out that there's a root to that. And I had the same experience in my, my, in my life. Um, I didn't know uh, why I was the way I was. And some of the things that I would perceive certain ways, some of the ways I would hear things, um, from people, um, my sensitivity around stuff, um, I had no idea until I get to a place where I'm beginning to write my book. And uh, like you, the writing of the book itself helped pull out. It made me ask questions that I had put away or didn't even think to ask before. So we didn't know. You don't know that you've experienced something that, and when you start scratching, you start realizing, oh my God, this is a whole lot deeper than I imagined.
2: Yes. And I think writing and and, uh, art... Uh, are the the, uh, um, remedy for not knowing. Like we start digging into it by writing it. And we start making sense of it by trying to articulate it. And it gives us agency. We start to to have some power in the situation as we write it. Um, And uh, that's why I called the book Saved by a Song. And that's why uh, I think when you started writing, you started to understand uh, what happened, or at least that something happened, uh, and here's how it, it shaped me. Uh, that's why that's I think that's really why I like writing, uh, and, and not not it's why I like working with writers, uh, and it's why I teach songwriting because they come to me often in the shape I was in before I started writing. Uh, and they don't know that they're being asked to write because there's something inside them that's trying to help them heal
1: right exactly um let's move into that discovery of your birth mother that journey you took back to New Orleans. Talk about that, and that you say something that's wonderful about the just the structure of the of the place starts telling you things right away. Talk about that,
2: yeah, when I went back into saint Vincent's uh I noticed, uh, even though it was decrepit, uh, the buildings were once mighty and, um, uh, like walking into a courtroom, you realize, oh my God, somebody here has power and somebody here does not. Uh, I, I call it the architecture of intimidation. Um, and you walk into, uh, the, the, the orphanage and realize, man, the church has the power, and they have the power to shame women uh, and, uh, and to shame them so intensely that they give up their baby. Um, and also, uh, in all honesty, the nuns at the orphanage were trying to help. Um, they were trying to, you know, before the St. Vincent's women were uh, uh, there was a lot of, of, of babies being thrown out. I mean, if you trace this back to England, which I did and played the foundling museum in London, England, it was shocking to me. They would find dead babies in ditches and garbage cans because of the, the Puritan shaming of women, uh, who got pregnant outside of wedlock. Um, so they were trying to save the lives of these babies, oh, wow. um, which the irony of all ironies is if you didn't have the shame, you wouldn't have to save the life of these babies. Exactly. Um, uh, it's just so tricky and convoluted and complicated tangle web. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't I don't blame the nuns. They were trying to help um, and uh, they didn't make the church the rules uh, They, they were. They were, the sisters uh, were trying to, um, it was called the Daughters of Charity, I think. They were trying to help the babies. They were trying to help me. I, I know that. Um, but it's complicated. And uh, boy, were the buildings, uh, 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 it, 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 I got a sense of what my, my birth mother must have felt going there. And she must have felt incredibly intimidated.
1: Yeah, scary. It's scary. Terrifying. Alone. Alone. Yeah. All these people are strangers. This isn't home um, even though it's called a home for unwed mothers in, shorthand in, in, uh, in Shardahan. Um, the, the, the search for your birth mother, um, must have helped you also, um, appreciate the mother and father who adopted you. Um, and you talk about that and it wasn't always smooth sailing and, um, that's never good. That's never the case, whether it's your birth mother, your birth parents or not. Um, but when an adoptive, uh, parents, uh, take you um and and give you some place to be um there's something there no matter how hard it is for them or for you there's something there T- talk about that what they did for you well um you know, I was adopted by a
2: catholic couple then we moved to baton rouge and i was raised there um a very complicated family um my father uh was an alcoholic and i think he had uh quite a bit of mental illness uh my mom's tricky and complex in her own way uh, but i found that after searching for my birth mother and having one short conversation with her that i realized that your parents are the people who raise you right um and right. uh the sense that that uh, someone gave me birth but I don't, I did, it deepened my appreciation for the people who raised me. Uh, and, and it put all any questions that I had about, uh, 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 who, what parenting is, were solved. Uh, the parent, my parents were the, were the Barbara and Joe Goche. period. And, um, uh, that, you know, that, that is, uh, that's quite complicated, too. I mean, these are all very complicated, tricky things.
1: Yeah. Um, if you had a nice, plain, simple life, you wouldn't be who you are. <laughs> you know, that's the truth for all of us. Um, you know, it, that that's what makes people write. That's what the blues are all about. That's what folk music's about. You know, that's what country-western music is about. I was growing up I'm, I'm watching country-western before it was called just country and i didn't understand any of that until i had my first breakup my first relationship collapse and I, when i was older I went, oh now all that makes sense <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Makes
2: sense.
1: um you there's a point um in the um t- in the halfway through or a little bit m- more through the book where you're um a, 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 there's an idea that you could do some work directly with uh veterans Um, And that might be helpful to them. Um, You were a bit reluctant at first, you write, but then you got into it. Um, There's some wonderful experiences you had and some wonderful songs came out of that process. Um, Really, really, really illuminating for me as a reader. um, I think for every reader, this is going to be to talk about that piece of your experience uh, when you worked with actual people who had been in combat.
2: Yeah, I still do that. Um, I've been doing it for eight years now. Um, I reached a certain point uh, where uh, I had worked through an awful lot of my own stuff using music and song, therapy and recovery. I'm a sober woman. I've been sober 31 years now. Congratulations. Um, Thank you uh, to work through all this stuff. And I hit a place where I'm pretty stable um, and pretty solid. Uh, And I was asked to work with uh, veterans uh, who had seen combat and they were dealing with uh, a lot of them PTSD. And uh, uh, I didn't know if I was the right person for that because I'm, you know, just quite frankly, a leftist lesbian. And uh, I didn't know if that would be a good match. I figured that might not, that might not be their favorite personality type, but I was wrong. Um, What really doesn't matter when you're dealing with someone who's deeply traumatized is politics or sex um, doesn't matter in the least. I was able to connect immediately with the veterans uh, and we never talk about sexual preference or, 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 or politics. Um, and uh, and that, that, that was really an eye-opener for me. Uh, what we talked about was how we felt And what we talked about is what they were going through and uh, how I could be useful to them by taking their experience and what they told me that they were experiencing now and turning that into their song. And I've been doing that for a while now, probably got 75, 80 songs now that I've written with women and men who've served. Some have been gay and lesbian, but none of that really matters when you're dealing with that amount of pain and trauma. Um, what matters is empathy, kindness, uh, 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 gentleness, respect. Um, we don't we don't go to politics or things that divide us. We we definitely are in the in the ring together, uh, just trying to get the best possible song that I can help them uh, articulate their experience so that other people can understand what they're going through and when their tongues get tied and they can't they can't articulate it they can point to the song and say look that over there that's how I feel and so um it's a privilege to do this work and be useful in this way and I love doing it uh and um uh yet uh it's been a part of my life for quite a while now
1: you you um that you the the pain uh, transfers from the, uh, veteran to you and you're both songwriters, um, whether the veteran knows it yet or not, um, using that pain, uh, feeling that pain, you can sit in a room, um, uh, removed from that pain uh, f- f- just reading it the way you've written it. Um, you have, that's another one of your gifts, that empathy, um, to absorb, to hear, to listen to someone's story and go, oh, I get it. Um, and And you you say at a point when one of your veterans you're working with is breaking down and crying and and you're crying along with them because it's so powerful and that's the power that you both bring into that song and then um a veteran who who is very nervous about hearing the song back um and and from, uh, playing it back in front of an audience. And for the first time, it is petrified, and yet the audience is behaving the same way you were, and that everyone, everyone has their ears open, their hearts are open. This does this is so powerful. I had no idea uh, when uh, I read the cover of your book. It, it it's really, really the heart of what uh, what your book title is about. It is healing the uh, the capacity to do this, and again, it's a capacity not everybody has. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's powerful. Um, you, it's, it's Those of us who are just listening to songs on the radio or on our, uh, in our earbuds, um, we don't necessarily appreciate all that. You hum along, sometimes a song speaks to you, sometimes it doesn't. You might like it for the, the, the music or, or, or the lyrics. Uh, or, you know, you, it, Why a song appeals is different. But when you get to this level, this book, I have to tell you, it taught me, made me go back and want to listen to a lot of music go wait i want to go listen to this music with this new information um that mary has provided so um thank you for that that's that's um again as i was reading it like the man in the hat i was choking up i couldn't believe how powerful it was i mean i do believe it but i was like wow i i didn't know that that kind of a thing even happened and you say you've been doing it for years and you to continue and you have 70 something songs that came out of it have so have come out of it so far well um I love all that, but I, I love that you say that it, it you go into this and, and both sides uh, without any of these agendas. It's not political. It's not about orientation. It's about humanity. That's right. And you bring in that word that we just talked about, trauma. Yeah. Um, it informs so, so much of what these people have been through. If you, you can go through war and kill people, and not be affected by it, you must be a, some kind of a robot. Um, so, of course, these people are, um, h- are hurting in pain. And I think that's one of the things that you're providing is not just as a, uh, the, the facility of songwriting, the mechanics of songwriting and helping them express themselves. You're helping them to heal. You're giving them an outlet they didn't know they had. That's right. So, yeah, so that is just amazing. So, Bravo, again, one of those points in this book where I was going, this is... This needs to be so much more expanded than uh, your book, and um I can see this becoming a either a series on television or a, a movie or two or there's so much in here um for the listeners to understand that you're gonna your 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 mind is not gonna let this just sit. you're not gonna put this book away it doesn't go away <laughs> so um thank you mary for that um uh, i i um uh, I have wanted you to tell us a little bit we mentioned it earlier in the the um, uh, uh, podcast about the word troubadour um, it's a terrific word um, and it, it, it's, it seems to be something that's quaint to a lot of people it's not it means a lot lot more tell us what it means to you
2: yeah let me uh let me read uh, my little thing I put in the book about describing what, what I, I mean when I say I'm a troubadour let me get this pulled up here um okay. I'm a troubadour. Troubadouring is an approach. It's not a genre. Inside the word troubadour I hear the I hear the word true. Troubadours tell true stories, true to feeling, not fact. People need stories to make meaning out of their lives, and songs are how most people get their stories these days. Modern day troubadours are self perceived out self perceived Outsiders who write songs about underdogs, unnoticed, or uh, marginalized folks, and struggles not often heard in mainstream music. In an age of misinformation and lies, we are the wandering minstrels who compose and perform songs to tell the truth. And like the stories of old, songs help teach us how to live and why. Troubadours play in theaters, listening rooms, nightclubs, bars, people's homes, yards, barns, folk festivals, on live streams, earning what we can by performing where we can. Troubadours aren't the kind of songwriters who try to write songs for hit-driven driven music marketplaces. We are the other kind. When people ask me what kind of songs I write, I tell them I write real ones. I'm called to write songs that help people check in, not out. While my songs will likely not be hits, they feed me in ways fame and money cannot. My work is more a ministry than a show business venture, though there is, of course, a show business component in every successful ministry. I've offered offered my opinions and observations on songwriting here with no small amount of terror. I am no more qualified to write about songwriting than any other songwriter who has made it their life's work. I cannot read music or notate it properly. I'm not always sure what key I'm in or what chord I'm playing. I have no idea what key I sing in, and I honestly don't care. I've carved a career from focused effort, trusting my gut, and sitting studiously at the feet of the masters. I'm a teacher, but I'm also a student. There's always more to learn about music and song. I've played in dozens of countries and listened to thousands of people's stories. I've heard late-night confessions and held strangers in my arms as they wept. No matter a person's nationality, age, race, gender, sexuality, politics, religion, lack of religion, human emotion is the same everywhere I go. People are lonely, yearning for meaningful connection. People need hope. They need to believe in something. People are hurting. Many are traumatized, afraid. People need love, but love is hard. It's so much harder than I, than they expected. I understand because I feel these things too. It's why I became a troubadour.
1: Bravo! Um, I I uh, cannot say enough about the, how how much I enjoyed reading your book, Mary. Um, I want to know. My um, last question is. What's next for you? Are you going to write another book? It seems like you have several books in you.
2: Yeah, I think I do. Um, yeah, I'm writing songs right now. Um, I'm working on, um, you know, the way the book came about is I just wrote a bunch of stories and stacked them up and then started trying to make a through line. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm back at it. I'm writing uh, road stories and stuff that's happened to me along the way. Uh, as I've gone town to town to town all these years now playing music for folks everywhere. Um, I I just got back from Denmark actually and in Holland. So, uh, I'm still out there. Uh, and stories happen as I interact with people. And I think telling the stories is my next thing is to tell some roads, more road stories because there's so many good ones. So yeah, I'm going to write another book and, and I'm going to keep writing songs and, and, uh, and keep playing shows. I think that's just the best thing. I get to do all those things and, and it makes for a really good life.
1: Well, um, you are definitely someone to um, for our readers to know about, uh, our listeners to know about uh, and the readers out there. Um, th- this is uh, it was eye-opening for me. Um, and I'm a fellow uh, Louisiana native and congratulations uh, to all your success. It is a true, true get for us. On this little podcast to have a person uh, like you on, and uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I want to thank the audience for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mary. It's been a terrific discussion. I, I get I've gotten chills several times just listening to you. I could listen to you for hours. Um, <laughs> thank you. The reminder of the book is called "Saved by a Song: The Art and Healing Power of Songwriting." It's now out everywhere. It's from St. Martin's Publishing. Um, there's also an audiobook book um, that I would love to hear. I haven't gotten a chance to hear that. I'm going to be doing that soon. Uh, please join us again, everybody, for Queer Voices of the South. Goodbye.